Welcome to the Solo Women RV Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice from solo women RVers, van lifers, and campers who are making their travel dreams come true. Whether you're just getting started in solo travel or are a seasoned expert, this show is for you. Join us. Just because you're solo doesn't mean you're alone. Here's your host, Kathy Belch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 80. First of all, I want to apologize for not putting out a show last week. Uh, Things got a little bit hectic over here for me. It was my last week in my house. I moved out of my house on Friday into my van full time. And oh, just a lot of stuff came up. There were a bunch of repairs that I was doing on the van. I had a leak in my window. Um, I hired somebody to come and fix it. They never showed up. I ended up just sealing the window myself. It's not going to open, but at least it doesn't leak. Then I had some cleaners that didn't show up. I had a yard person who was supposed to get some work done in the yard before my tenant showed up and she didn't complete the job. So I had to jump in and help. It was kind of hectic. And then finally, I left my house on Friday in my van squeaky, got to my friend's property. The car was, she wasn't driving so great um, up there. Then when I got there, my generator didn't work. And even though I had just had it serviced. And then finally, I get in the van to leave on Monday morning and the check engine light is on. So lots of drama over here, I guess you could say. And so I didn't get around to putting the podcast out last week. Uh, Right now, Squeaky is in the shop. We're going to see how she comes out of it. I was hoping to get one more season out of this 23-year-old van, but we will see what the diagnosis is when she comes out. And in the meantime, I've been shopping for a new van because I start my new position, uh, my camp hosting position on Monday. So I can't be without something to sleep in. So anyway, that is my saga to be continued. Actually, hopefully to be resolved shortly. Um, But anyway, that's what's going on in my life. As uh, those of you who travel in RVs know that sometimes this kind of thing happens. Sometimes when it rains, it really does pour. But I have an amazing show this week. I've lined up a whole slew of interviews that I've done over the past few weeks to get ready for this time when I am hitting the road. And today's episode is a great one. My guest is Maria Budigatz, and she is a full-time van dweller who's been on the road for eight months now. Living in a van has been a dream of Maria's since she was a little kid. And now that she's doing it, she's so glad that she didn't listen to all those voices inside her head and from friends and family that discouraged her to do so. She travels and works full time in a sprinter van that she built out herself. I loved our conversation. She talks a lot about how being on the road is a perfect cure for her ADHD. As she puts it, continuous chaos leads to calm. Well, hello, Maria. Hello. My, my guest today is Maria Butzagas. And Maria is a van lifer that I found out about. Do you remember how we met? Clubhouse. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Clubhouse was a social media thing. I'm not currently like in Clubhouse at all. Are you? It was no, this not at all. K- kind of cool place where you would just go and just have conversations and you didn't really see people's faces or anything. And you just talked and there was this little van life group that I started going to like almost every day and kind of met a few people from there. And Maria was on that. And that's, that's probably, probably like two years ago, huh? Yeah. 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 Well, it was the very beginning of the pandemic uh, is when I popped on it. Uh, that's when I think it really gained a lot of popularity because people still wanted to be able to connect and have conversations, you know, and it was, it was really good. Cause it was what like chat room style, like old AOL chat room style where you can like pop in and just start talking to people. But instead of t- typing your 
you're talking right so yeah yeah we just pop in and then like pop out when you're like I'm over this and yeah same thing basically every day that was it was that was really nice to have when when we had it when it was you know yeah yeah that was that was during the pandemic so uh, so anyway welcome to the solo women RV podcast so glad to have you on I'm happy to be here yeah. And so why don't you just tell us a little bit of your backstory? I know you live in a van right now, but tell us about where you came from, why you decided to live in a van and yeah, start there. Okay. So I wanted to do this my entire life. Um, since I was a little kid, my, my parents had a, uh, two different vans, but they're, and they're the conversion vans but they were just, you know, they're like the bucket seats in the back and they, I'm Greek and we have a big family and our friends have big families and we'd all like throw all the kids in the van and go somewhere. And, you know, uh, it was more of that purpose, but we would have company come over and I'm like, I want them to stay over. You know, why can't they stay? My parents are like, well, they have to have a bed to sleep in. And I'm like, there's a bed in the van. Why can't they sleep in the van? You know, like, cause the seats <laughs> would fold down into a bed and my mom was like, no, you don't do that. People don't do that. And I was like, what do you mean they don't do that? Like in my head, it was always normal. Like it was always a thing that was like, well, why can't they? Like it just, I was never conditioned out of thinking that you can't do that. And I was like, why can't we just go here and go in the van and stay in the van? I've always been a very outdoorsy kid and I've always had an appreciation for travel. And uh, this was something that was just a dream of mine that never really left uh, the itch was always there, but in my mind, there was the uh, quote-unquote American dream of, you know, you've got to work hard, get a corporate job, and make a lot of money and save, and and then when you retire, you can do this. And so that was my mindset. And so, may um, I interrupt and ask: Was your family first generation? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My parents are first gener- generation Americans. Um, we all have dual citizenship. Uh, but we're, and we're still very, very, very close, but we're definitely Americanized too, you know? Yeah. Um, but you had that yeah. sense of that coming to America to fulfill this American dream. Yes. Yes. My, my grandparents, all four of them left Greece uh, just after the war and came to America to have a better life. I'm in Clearwater, Florida right now, Kevin Bay area. I got here like two, three weeks ago um, just to kind of, finalize some things that needed to get taken care of and I've got a godchild I'm going to baptize and uh my grandfather's one year memorial from his passing is also uh coming up and so like all that's right now so the plan was come here do some work more work on the build because there's a lot of things I still got to finish and then take care of that family stuff and then hit the road again and go up to like the northeast main area for the summertime so that's the plan Fun, fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, so uh, I guess kind of like long story short, um, I was doing the whole American dream thing and I uh, owned a house, whatever, car, life, all that stuff. And pandemic happens and I end up getting laid off on my job, uh, which was the absolute best thing that could have ever happened because that kind of like kickstarted me into doing this. It was the, the itch was constant. It was getting worse. I was feeling like very, very stuck where I was and I could tell I needed to do something and change something, but I didn't know what it was. Um, and when, you know, I feel like there's, I don't know how the saying goes exactly, but once, um, like if, if you're supposed to do something and you're not doing it, life eventually will push you into that direction without, you know, it's, you you can do it the easy way or you can do it the hard way. And it, it, it made me do it the hard way. And, um, I ended up selling my house, buying my van with the money from the sale and building it out and then hitting the road. And I feel like I've been on the road now for eight months officially, like, leaving this area and uh it is a hundred percent my path like I feel I've said this to multiple people even this week of um how is it how does it feel being in the van like all of that and I have such a sense of home in this 
that I didn't even have in my, I have goosebumps right now. Do you see that? Mm, like yeah. I have such a sense of home in this van than I ever had in my home. That was a sticks and bricks, like actual home. And I lived in that for like five years and um, beautiful place, like three miles away from the water. And I have a pool and a two car garage and like all, you know, like everything that everyone ever wants in a good area. And no, like I, I sit in here and what this is like 70 square feet of space. And I am like, I could feel it. Like this is, this is it. You know, this is my home. Like, I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a year. I don't know if it's going to be five years. I don't know. I have no idea, but this is, this is definitely yeah. it. I just, I'd love to hear a little more from you. Like why, like why you feel that way? Do you have a sense of why? I'm still trying to figure that out, honestly, because um, one of my friends was like, do you think it's because you built it and you feel a connection to the build? And I'm like, I do. I feel a really deep connection to the build. But I think that my soul has wanted this for so long and um, it never feels like there is a destination that I have to go to. It's just that this the journey of doing this feels so right and so good to me that it's like, you know, they say, you know, a hiker that hikes for the views isn't going to make it as long as the person who hikes because they love hiking. Like I love, I just, I just love the experience of being on the road and I definitely have ADHD like diagnosed everything. And I think that the, I find a lot of calm in chaos and continuously being on the road and the chaos of the road and the responsibility of the, that goes into having the van and living in this space, um, constantly being like ever changing kind of keeps that, um, a lot of the symptoms at bay for me. Like I'm, it's like, I'm allowed to actually think because I'm in continuous chaos. So like it creates that calm rather than, I don't, I don't know if it makes any sense, but it, you know, it's like working at a coffee shop, the chaos around me helps keep my mind calm where if I'm in a calm space, my, my mind creates chaos. Yeah. I think another thing too, with this is like the simple living too, having significantly less things. Um, and even being here and having a chance to, um, take so many things out of the van and like, leave it at my parents' house. Like, Hey, mom and dad, I'm using your garage for a minute. Like, I'm just going to unload some things and um, living without even the things that I brought with me and minimizing that. I, I feel so much clearer in the space as well. Um, so tell us so, about your van and, and your build out, how you decided on what you were going to keep in and put in and, and maybe even how that's evolved since you've been traveling for a little while now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what was really important to me with the build was having it be um, a space that I can change um, very easily based off of my mood, if that makes sense. So um, again, repetition drives me nuts. Uh, so like I'm sitting uh, up against my bed on my bench, but I can also sit on the other side of the bench and be closer to the window where I can sit on the passenger side seat and have a fold up table and look out the window or I can sit on the other side of the van uh, where there's another bench or I can sit on my bed, which is also like a futon style um, thing. That's also a couch. So um, like it, 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 it's like a four piece fold that folds into a queen or folds out to a queen or folds back into a couch. So like having like different spaces for me to work, I work full-time remote in it but yeah, uh, so what was that was really important to me was that my van was able to like the space that I'm in, even though it's small, I have a lot of different options with the way that I can work. I had been planning this in my head for so long, like having vision boards with different spaces and layouts and uh, having like mood boards on Instagram where, you know, you can save collections and like interior styles that I like and layouts that I like and uh, uh, things that people recommend, you know, stuff like that. Um, and it took so long for me to get my van from when I ordered it. I have a, uh, Mercedes Sprinter. It's a 2021. It's either 2020 or 2021. I think it's a 21. Um, and I, from the sale of the house, I went to Mercedes and I put my order in and I said, uh, this is what I want. 
And they're like, yeah, sure. No problem. You'll have it by, this was in February. They were like, yeah, you'll have it by um, end of May. That's the estimated time. I was like, okay, great. So I'm getting everything ready. I uh, didn't have a house anymore. So I'm like renting month to month. Uh, and I, I touched base with them. They're like, you know, we're, we don't, we're not really sure exactly when it's going to come in, but it's looking like it might come in in like June. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I need to know because I, I'm renting month to month. I don't have a place to live. Like I'm doing, this is going to be my home. Very long story short. Um, I didn't get my van till October and it wasn't even the one that I ordered because the people at the Mercedes dealership lied to me and said that the van was, it was done, but they were waiting for it to be shipped. And then I reached out to another dealership and they went to the system and they're like, your van is on a hold and it's not expected to be done until the end of the year. Um, there's a part that is on some sort of recall or something. And, uh, you're like, honestly, we, you, there's no way of knowing when you're actually going to get your van. And I was like, I can't be paying month to month rent. And, you know, like everything is just so out of whack. There's so many unknowns. Um, and I started calling dealerships that had vans that had the specs that I want. And I, was like, put me on the waiting list if somebody can't get approved for financing or whatever. And somebody calls me out of Kentucky like a week and a half later. And this was enough. This was in end of September. And yeah, the guy couldn't get approved for financing. Same color, almost the same specs on the van. There's a couple of like different things, you know, here and there that are this one has that mine didn't. Um, but for the for most part, it's the same van. I was like, done. I'm on it. Like, I'll start driving up there tomorrow like I will be on my way up there I'll put down a deposit whatever you need I'm, I'm I'm on it and so I drove up to Kentucky and I picked the van up traded in my car and started the build out it was really cool because I with the amount of time that I had in between it was like you know a blessing and a curse or a blessing in disguise I guess you could say and uh, I built the entire van in a 3d software went to the Mercedes dealership where they had some vans on the lot that I was able to do measurements and whatnot and basically built the whole van in sketch before I actually got it. And I was able to kind of kickstart with that, which was really nice. And it might be helpful to know what I do for a living is UX design. So I, my job is to figure out how to like how people use things and how they can be improved. So like I basically UXed my van. Like how okay. can I make this van exactly how I need the functionality to be? How can I make it work for me? And um, just a lot of visualization of how I wanted the space. And uh, the build was really hard. I was very over it. <laughs> you know, like mm. I, I, it, it, I, I had help with the cabinetry, which was I probably would have taken significantly longer to get on the road had I not had that help. So I'm super grateful for it. But I, I did a majority of everything from the furring, the flooring, the ceiling, the countertops, the all of the electrical system I did, all of the water uh, plumbing stuff. I mean, everything, everything other than the construction of the cabinets themselves. Um, I, I basically did. And I, yeah. when I say I was over it, like, I was like, I don't even care anymore. I'm just hitting the road and I will work on things as I go. It's so cool because uh, every year I choose a word as a, like a, instead of a new year's resolution, I yeah, want to I, focus on like yeah, a word, you know, I started doing that. that a couple of years, oh, cool. a couple of years ago, I started doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's such a wonderful thing because it's, it, it, instead of like having these, you know, quote unquote goals that I'm trying to achieve and they could be super unrealistic or very realistic, but it's more like what's something that internally, like from, for self, um, personal development, like what's something I like in my word this year is trust, like trusting okay. myself, trusting my intuition. That's something that's really important for me to try to, to work on. And so the, that previous year when I was doing the build was, uh, resilience and, uh, oh God! <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, well, that resilience word, it really got tested, it, didn't it? It really got tested. And, uh, you know, there's moments, you know, where you, you watch videos of people doing builds and they're, if they're vulnerable enough to show it, like uh, that they're crying or whatever, like the frustration or talking about the frustrations. And, um, you know, those definitely, those moments were real. There were things that uh, were so frustrating. And it's like, I just want to be done with this, but I have to finish. Like, you, you don't have a choice. It's like, I'm either right. going to hit the road or I'm not. And if I don't get this done, I'm not. Um, so there's a lot of really big learning lessons and also like proving to myself that I can really do anything that I want to do. Like, I I had no idea how to do electrical. I didn't even know the difference between DC and AC power. And I went from that to building a full-on really BA system, you could say, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, I'm that I'm really proud of. And I mean, everything in here, I'm really, really proud of. There's still a work in progress. Like you can see, you know, like I've got like still holes patched up that I need to sand and do a final coat of paint on the wall and things like that. But um, I'm, I'm just really, really proud of like being able to look around and be like, I did that. I made yeah. that, you know? Yeah. There's nothing like that. And how do you cook? Tell us about your cooking setup. So I have a two burner Dometic propane cooktop and I just have it plugged in to just the one gallon propane cans. Uh, it's really efficient. It's a, It was a really good cooktop in terms of value. It wasn't expensive compared to like quite a few others on the, on the market. Uh, I decided to go with that rather than induction. Um, just because induction kind of scares me with the glass top and something dropping on it. I've had things fly out of my cabinets before oh, yeah. I installed locks on them. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I was just worried that if something dropped on it and it broke and what kind of fix that would be. So I do have a single burner induction cooktop as backup in case I run out of propane, which I haven't used yet. And I also have a toaster oven in here that I haven't used yet. So those are things I'm trying to decide. Do I decide, do I leave them or sell them? The, the induction one, I'm definitely going to keep, but the cook, the, the toaster oven, I'm still like, eh, should I keep that or not? Like the yeah. idea of being able to like make pizza was the whole reason why I was like, I want to be able to make pizza or um, roast a chicken or something, or like use an air fryer or something like that. But I, I just use um, two cast iron pans. Like they, the, 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 the uh, one's like a short one that I can use as a lid on top of the bigger one. So it's almost like a Dutch oven in a way. Um, but that's what I use a majority of the time. And then I've got like a stainless steel one for doing like water or rice or whatever. Um, but I have that right in front of my sliding door and I can either have the door open or open the sliding window on the door. And then I've got the vent fan over like right over that area so it'll circulate you know the smoke in the air and it's I it's it's very easy I've got a little like pop-up countertop also on the side for like some extra cooking space and what's really funny is so my girlfriend lives in New York City and she's in a really tiny little space and I have more kitchen space like cooktop space than she does at her apartment in New York city. What? Wow. Like I, it's actually easier to cook in the van than there is in the, at the, in the apartment, which is pretty wild to think about. You know, people are like, I could never live in a space that small or whatever. And it's, it's the space is so multifunctional that yeah, it's small, but like the kitchen basically becomes like more than half of the van. Um, and the bathroom, you know, like as lives the toilet lives under a bench seat, the shower lives under a step. Like I have all of the things that I need in here, and I've got a queen size bed. You know, it's, it, it's got everything I need. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's small, but it's like I said, multifunctional. So, um, I thought that was a pretty funny thing for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all about your van. Now I want to hear a little bit about your travels. So, but I also love that you talked about this being part of the appeals, not necessarily like where you're going to go, but just the fact that you have this, I don't know, you live in your like adventure van or whatever. And in a way, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's like, you know, everyone's like, where'd you go? Where'd you go? And I'm kind of like, I just like, you know, like, it doesn't really matter. Like wherever I am, I'm enjoying it. 
I mean, I definitely like to be out in nature. I'm not a big city like van lifer type person. Um, and that's some people, some people like that and that's great, but that's not my style. But, um, sounds like you were on the same wavelength as far as that goes. A hundred percent. I being in the city gives me so much anxiety. I'm not going to lie. Like I get so worried about the van. I'm like, and I have a dog too. Uh, and I'm like, you know, if somebody breaks in the van, what's going to happen to my dog? What's going to happen? My whole life is in that van. What if somebody tries to steal the van? If I'm away from it, you know, and like, I'll visit friends, uh, I was seeing a friend in LA and he's like, you can stay at my apartment. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I'm not going to sleep if I'm not in my van. Like I'm going to be so worried about it. And um, you know, the city noise and you know, you park street park. So like putting, you don't want to put leveling blocks. I mean, I'm sure some people do, but I don't want really to seem like I'm in it, but I also, you know, there's that like, you know, you know, and then cars go by and the whole van shakes. Like I would much rather, you know, have a, be in the middle of nowhere I feel a lot safer in the middle of nowhere and I feel um just that's that's I I feel a lot more comfortable in the middle of nowhere I guess it's just the easy way of putting it Um, have you taken the van to New York City no and I don't know how that's gonna work um (laughs) I I uh, so this is a four by four van and I can actually sit underneath the van like there's areas where I can't, but there's areas where I can actually like sit up. My head's crouched, but I it it would be one of those situations where it my van would be such an easy target for somebody to you know take out the catalytic converter or something like that. And it's that's so prevalent in like big cities like that. And somebody just breaking in would I I stayed in Denver, uh, in downtown Denver at a friend's place. And I could see my van from her window and the amount of times that I was just looking at it like continuously. And I might be a little over paranoid, um, but it's again, it's my home. Like yeah. I, it's, it's, it's so easy to break into a van and it go unnoticed. You know what I mean? That nobody would even, Oh, somebody's just trying to get in their van. They got locked out or something, you know, like they, it's so quick how somebody can just, you know, take your whole space away in, in just a couple of minutes. So, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work with New York. Like we've talked about how, like, if I bring, if I go up to see her in New York with the van, I'd probably park it way outside the city somewhere or in, in a friend's driveway nearby and then take a train into the city or something like that. Cause I don't know. It's uh, yeah, that'll be, an, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens yeah. to that bridge when we get there, you know? Yeah. So tell us about some of the places you have stayed that it maybe stuck out for you. Oh, uh, I have fallen in love with the Eastern Sierras, like big time. I, I did not expect to spend as much time in California as I did. I thought I was only going to be there for two weeks, a a month max. And I ended up being there for three months, four months. I went all over the place, San Diego to the Redwoods in Northern, Northern, like Northwestern California, like Crescent city area, Tahoe, uh, I went to Yosemite a bunch. One of my goals has been like go to as many national parks as possible. Mm. Like I, I would, that's like a probably a very common bucket list thing for people. Right. But um, I wanted to like just why not? And I just kept repeating my visits over Sequoia, Kings Canyon, Yosemite, going around the other side, going to going to Tahoe, going to Mammoth, June Lake, Lone Pine. I this is so funny. I had no idea where Alabama Hills was. Like you see it, you know, people yeah. post it. Like I I never knew where it was, not realizing that it was on the 395, like where like by Mount Whitney. And I have driven up the 395 before and I had no idea that nested behind those like black piles of rocks were like the most insane it, oh god it I, I haven't been there yet so i've only oh. seen it on the instagram as well oh it's so cool it's a lot and it's a lot like joshua tree but you also have mount whitney like all of the sierras like all of those like incredible mountainscapes um and it's just such a magical place to go up and down and um I really, really, really fell in love with that area and also had like my scariest driving experience in that area. That was a lot. But I I thought 
in my head going into van life that I'd be doing, you know, the chasing 70 thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I've been chasing 30 this whole time, Oh God, like, not even realizing <laughs> it, you know, like <laughs> I started out, I made my way West and my brother lives out in California on the central coast near San Luis Obispo area. Like right, kind of like just South of big Sur, a little bit Eastern. East oh yeah. Inland. Beautiful area. Yeah. So, so, so pretty. Um, so I wanted to be out there for his birthday and, and it was just the beginning of October. And so I kind of like called it out because uh, I hit the road and um, in September, I was like, I have to go to the Tetons. That is one of those bucket list places. I went on a road trip a long time ago. Something like a little fun fact that would I had a station wagon and, and a sedan and I would do month-long road trips where I'd sleep in the car and just travel around. But it was all like on the east side, you know. And then one year with a previous girlfriend of mine, uh, we rented a car, put 6,500 miles on the car in three weeks. Uh, <laughs> and we drove awesome. all up and down the east coast. It was a lot of driving, but it was a lot of fun. And I remember passing the Tetons um, through, was it Idaho? Is that where they, Wyoming. On, the, on the other side? Well, Wyoming. Wyoming is on, Wyoming is on the on the right side, right? So, but they're in Wyoming, and Wyoming is to the east, right? But the west, the state to the west, that's is that Idaho or is it probably yeah, probably Idaho? Idaho. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the yeah. Um, so I was driving down the highway on that, and I could see the Tetons in the distance to the east, and mm -hmm. I'm like, what are those? I need to go there. And uh, it's just always been one of those places I need to go. So I was like, that's going to be the spot where I'm going to go and truly camp for the first time, like just sit and, you know, so, you know, I spent like a week and a half, two weeks driving out and I sat and in those mountains, not in those mountains, but, you know, to just to the east of those mountains and just was completely in awe and in love. And I was like, oh, my God, this is it. And it actually also was like the one year marker of having the van officially um like uh all of the things like it just mm -hmm. everything kind of like fell into place and um uh it was like a really it was a really that was a really cool moment uh and then I kind of meandered my way out to California and was just in love with the state the fact that I could I've always been salty about California like come, being from Florida and like Florida's better than California, la, 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 you know, whatever. <laughs> and and only my only experiences of California having been LA and San Francisco and um, then going and experiencing the fact that I can drive two hours and see something completely different and have a change of scenery. And I just, I, I fell in love with the state truly. Like, I think it's nice. an incredible state. There's so much that it has to offer. And um, so yeah, there was all that. And then going to um, the desert and like going to the van life pride meetup, that was really special, really special. And yeah. And then I made my way back here just because of the things I got to take care of. And I am really looking forward to hitting the Northeast now, um, going up to like the main area and, and uh, the UP, like, or, like upper, like Midwest, all that, like just, just for the summertime. I'm, I'm super stoked about it. Yeah. So yeah. you're chasing the warm weather now, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, it's really warm now. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's actually a little too warm. I got so used to sleeping in 30 degrees that I'm, I'm grateful I installed an AC in the van and can plug it in and be cool in here because it I would not be able to manage at okay. all. <laughs> yeah. I, I my body adjusted so much. I, I I used to say like I hate the cold and I actually didn't I, I really didn't mind it. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the cooler weather and, and being in the mountains and being in the snow and experiencing a real winter. Yeah. Yeah. Well and you stayed warm enough in your van. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, I've got a diesel heater in here. Um, it ran all winter, twenty four seven. It was always on, and it i I was comfy inside, and that was um, really important to me. Is making sure that, in terms of the build, 
I wanted to make sure that the reason I quit van life was not because I was uncomfortable with the space I lived in, but because I wanted to actually settle down and put roots somewhere. Um, so it was really, really important to me to make sure that it felt like it felt like home and it had the functionality of a home and that, you know, so yeah, the heat kept me warm. I was good. It was nice in here and toasty. And I'm like, you know, in Tahoe and there's a couple of feet of snow on the ground and I'm sitting having coffee in the morning and I'm not cold. I'm just like, ah, this is, this is really special. This is really cool. We, oh yeah. They got a lot of snow and rain up there this year. Boy. My gosh. I, yeah, that I almost got stuck in a couple of really bad storms up there and I thankfully made it out just in time. Both, both times where it was really bad. Um, even with your four wheel drive van. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There were, there were, uh, I mean, if you get, if you get snowed in, if there's like, you know, five feet of snow, you're digging for, you know, um, I, I learned how to use chains for the first time also. That was fun, but I definitely slid a couple of times. There were some moments where I was like, I'm sliding, I'm on my brakes and I'm sliding. And, uh, there's a turn coming up. Like, you know, you get, there's yeah. some moments that were, that were super sketch. Um, but I thankfully, uh, was really diligent about keeping up with the weather and wanting to make sure that I was not going to be put in a situation that would be really, really dangerous, you know? Right. So, yeah. Very good. Well, I want to ask you a little bit about your work setup. So how you talked about having a lot of different, do you just work on your laptop? Do you have a, do you have desk set up? Like how, and I'm also curious, are you like nine to five Monday through Friday or are you more flexible? So what's your work setup like? And then I also want to ask about like, how, how has it been like settling in to get work done when you're traveling? Yeah. Uh, So my setup is I've got a lagoon mount, uh, with a table that I wanted to make sure was wide enough to be able to have a workspace where I could have my laptop. And if I wanted to like write or draw, cause there's a lot of like sketching involved with what I do. I have a monitor that's USB-C powered. Uh, and I just got like a mount that I can mount it to the table. So I'm, I'm, I'm still playing around with that. Like you, just working off my laptop isn't that difficult. Um, but yeah, I, I have the, the table that I can swing from one side of the bench to the other or sit on the other bench and do that. Or I use the pop-up countertop on the side of my counter where the cooktop is and I'll spin the seat around and sit there. The, this, this, my setup itself is very, very simple. I've got, you know, uh, USB outlets to, uh, USB-C outlets to plug my computer in. And and what's your internet yeah. situation? Oh, yeah, so I have Starlink, which I rarely use. Uh, I only use it when I'm in the middle of nowhere and I have absolutely no signal. But there's an account, Engineers Who Van Life, on Instagram, who I did a consultation with and told them what I needed. And they basically gave me a couple of options of what I can do for setup for internet. And it's been almost flawless. That in tandem with the Starlink is... I've had no issues connecting for work, being able to be on Zoom calls or getting work done. It's been it's been really, really nice. It's basically it's a pep link. We've got an antenna on the roof and it goes into a I don't I, I'm going to kind of mess up what the terminology of things are because I'm not very good with the terminology. I don't, I, I'm, that's not my expertise, so I'm not sure, yeah. but it's like a, a router that takes the that you have SIM cards in a modem. It's a modem and a router mixed together, I think. So the signal comes in from the antenna and you can have multiple SIM cards in there. I only have one SIM card, it's a Verizon card. Um, so it goes, it runs off a of cellular? It runs off a of cellular, yeah. And it converts the cellular signal into a Wi-Fi signal. And then you just basically connect to the network as if you had Wi-Fi in a house. Um, we're trying to figure out how we can permanently mount Starlink to the roof, um, given the amount of roof space that is up there. And, you know, uh, it's kind of an after afterthought. So 
you know, I got, I, I, is it worth it to do if I'm parked under trees and want to go set the Starlink up out in the middle of a field or, you know, like there's all these different factors I'm yeah. trying to figure out, but this modem, you can have the router plugged in to the modem also, and it will, you can, it, it'll automatically toggle between cellular or Starlink to give you a constant signal. So even oh. if you have Starlink as your main one, if there's a dropout with Starlink, it'll automatically kick in the cellular signal if you have it, uh, which is super rad because then you're not having any kind of drop calls or anything like that. Um, but so far, I've have I've had no issues once I've set up the cellular aspect of it because there's also times you know if I'm in a city, I don't want to set Starlink up, and right. we're in a big Faraday cage. Like our phones don't work. I also have a Wii Boost in here um to try to just allow my phone to work or if i don't want to be on the internet or something but uh and if i just want to make like a regular call um but it's 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 been awesome like i i i rarely use starlink because i don't need to pull it out anymore unless i'm in the absolute middle of nowhere where i have no signal so yeah okay yeah yeah. Um, and then you asked in terms of like my schedule and stuff, I do work a, 90, a nine to five. Um, I, I'm super lucky and grateful for the company I work with. They're very flexible. They're, it's more of as long as the work gets done, um, that's all that really matters. So sometimes uh, I might be driving and it'll be Tuesday on a, you know, like 10 a.m. Uh, I might be driving for a couple of hours, but as long as I am working either that night or I double down the next day, as long as the work gets done and there's nobody waiting on me, uh, I'm not missing meetings, things like that. Like it, it, it's totally fine. So it's really, really flexible. Um, it's just, it's more, I guess, project based than, yeah. than, than anything, you know what I mean? And they know you're living in a van. They, they, they know I'm living in a van. They, are completely okay with it. They're like, again, as long as the work is getting done and we're living vicariously through you. So keep, yeah. you know, sharing yeah. stuff. They're like, you know, if I didn't have a family, I'd be doing this too, kind of a thing. Like they're super, super awesome. I, I, I love everything about the people that I work with. They're, they're wonderful. I, I feel like the constant change of an, of an environment is so in alignment with creativity and, being inspired by things you know like I'm looking at this gorgeous view and my soul feels so enriched and good and I'm in this space where I can be creative and come up with ideas and and you know it's it's really nice it's it's yeah I, it's great so okay so that answered my question was the was the traveling a hindrance but it also so, it sounds like absolutely absolutely the opposite yeah. that it's it's helped you do better work because you're more inspired because you're a creative, your job is creative and this allows you to be creative in your environment. A hundred percent. I mean, there are moments where I pull over at a uh, gas station or a rest stop and I'm working out of there for a couple of hours yeah. or a whole day sometimes, you know, while still trying to be respectful of the space that I'm in and not overextend my welcome, you know, like sometimes I might, pull over at a rest stop, sleep for the night, wake up, have a meeting and need to be out of there as quickly as possible. And that, that does get in the way sometimes, um, you know, you try to think I'm driving and I want to see the beautiful views. I don't necessarily want to be driving at night. Not, I love to drive at night, but I don't want to be driving at night because I want to see where I am. I want to mm -hmm. see everything that's around me. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's like, do I drive in the morning or do I drive in the middle of the day or do I drive after work? And I think it's just a matter of prioritizing, uh, you know, is there something that has to get done today? I need to stay here. I can drive tomorrow or I can drive tonight or drive, you know, two hours after work and then go somewhere and, and just drive smaller segments. Um, or sometimes it's driving on a weekend because you want to drive during the daytime and it not interfering with work or working on a weekend. You know what I mean? I, it's yeah. Kind of, you know, so what's your, what's your cadence with how long you usually stay in a place? Uh, I, I feel that I technically move a little faster than most. I, I two, three nights and then I'm out kind of okay. a thing. I also will stay. So my brother in California, I would spend like 
a week or two at a time there just because it was like a comfortable place where I could sit and work and be open. Um, my family has a vineyard out there. My brother is the vineyard manager for the vineyard. So it's like, a, it, it's a really easy place to park also. And just okay. So you got your own private, too. your own yeah, private it, harvest hosts, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you can say that for sure. Um, so that, uh, that made it pretty easy for breaks in between doing these really quick but long stints of and when I say quick but long it's like you know for a couple of weeks I'll be driving uh three four five six hours a day and stay at a place for a day two days three days whatever it might be and then it's almost like I'm like I just crash for a minute and for a week I'll just like okay breathe, relax for a second. And then, okay, now it's time to go again. And so we'll see, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this cadence is going to work around um, uh, this next year with uh, just, am I still going to follow that same thing where I'm constantly moving continuously just on the road all the time? Or am I going to sit in one place for a long period of time? I'm not sure. I, yeah. I, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I am very, very curious about that though. Yeah. I think a lot of people start off traveling a lot and then do slow down, but mm -hmm. you might not be that way. We'll find out. Maybe you come yeah. back in a year and let us know what, how it's all transpired. For sure. For sure. Um, I feel like I've never had FOMO in my entire life. Like, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't mind. I'd rather sleep. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather get a good night rest so I feel really good tomorrow or um, I'm okay not going to that or whatever. And I feel like I have so much FOMO for the first time in my life about places. I want to go here before the leaves change. I want to, you know, I want to see this before it gets snowy or I want to see this while there's snow here. Like I want to see Yosemite covered in snow. Like I get like so much excitement about being able to witness these different, you know, events that happen that are so fleeting and, beautiful and oh my gosh that, that, that I definitely get I get FOMO about nature I guess <laughs> it's the best way to put it, it. Yeah. yeah awesome yeah this has been a really great conversation Maria thank you for coming on and sharing a bit of your life with us oh of course thank you thank you so much I, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's been really it's been really really nice to be able to talk about this for sure it's been um hey, it's a pleasure yeah. Is there anything that, that we didn't touch upon that you wanted to bring up that you feel like is important for our listeners to know about? I think something that would be comforting to anybody who wants to get into this space is I, I resisted so much the idea that this would be possible to do being solo being female uh, there's always a the safety risk and all of that that's there which is it's always important to be mindful about but it's actually not as scary as as it seemed you know and it, not to make this about safety that my my point was that I resisted so much on I could do this now and my soul was yearning for it for so long for so many years now that I'm doing it it's like it really wasn't that hard to do it really wasn't that difficult to get into like I don't know what I was so afraid of I don't know what I was so hesitant about like it it's just a matter of doing it you know, and, and I get, you know, circumstances are different for everyone. I'm incredibly privileged for so many things that made this transition as smooth as it was for me. But there, you know, there's people on the road who have families. There's people that, that have kids that have full-time jobs that have to do the nine to five and be in one place or do things their, their, their line of work requires being in person and they figure, you know, figure out a way to make it work. And it's so possible where if, if it's something that like lights you up and lights you on fire, don't let fear stop you because it's like, this this is what it's about like this is the the feeling of being alive is in and this is my own opinion it doesn't mean it's right but that is the essence of of our experience here on earth like that it's that just 
allowing that kid inside of us to be able to explore and play in, in a space that, that we love and appreciate. And, and I just think if I could say anything to anyone is this, this don't let fear stop you from doing something that you want to do. And there's nothing wrong with now. Yeah. Thanks for that. Well, thanks Maria. So much. It's a great, great chatting with you and hearing everything you had to share. Yeah. I really want to thank my guest, Maria, for coming on and telling us all about her story. Here are my key takeaways. Number one, there are lots of ways to make community. Take advantage of them. Maria and I have never met in person, but we were part of a group on the social media app Clubhouse. And then we started to follow each other on Instagram. And this interview was our first time actually chatting in the real world. And now I feel like if we do meet up, we will have so much in common and so much to connect about. Number two, with her ADHD diagnosis, the continuous chaos of moving and changing her environment actually helps Maria stay calm and focus. And the constant change of scenery inspires her creativity and that in turn helps her do better at her job. Number three, rolling with the punches, going with the flow. When Maria didn't get her van as expected, she showed a key trait of success in RV and van living. She pivoted and sketched the whole thing out so she could start the build as soon as she got it. Number four, because Maria travels and works full-time from her van, she needs a really good cellular setup. She consulted with engineers and settled on a PEP wave and Starlink system. She's still trying to dial it in exactly, but like many things in this lifestyle, we try and we tweak and we adjust until we get it right. Thanks for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. Please join our email list over at solowomenrv.com to stay up to date on all things solo travel related. And if you like what you heard today, please consider becoming a podcast sponsor. Details can be found over at anchor.fm slash Kathy hyphen Belge. And if you know someone who would benefit from what we talked about today, please share this episode with them or leave us a review over on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps and makes it easier for others to find us. The Solo Women RV podcast theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, We'll see you out there on the road.